Lalo THR here. What's going down, everybody? Welcome to the Highlight Reel, episode 99. Itching ever so closer to that big one buck. And I'm super stoked and excited for that. I can't believe this podcast has lasted as long as it has. I mean, I know that I uh, I take little breaks here and there and everything, but... uh. I'm still keeping at it. I'm, I'm keeping this podcast alive, and it's going to stay alive, baby. We're going to go all the way to 2030. <laughs> I hope I make it that far. We'll see. But, guys, we're coming off WrestleMania night one. Incredible show. I'm going to get into that today. I'm also going to talk about some AEW news that I didn't get to. I did watch Dynamite this past Wednesday, and I'm going to briefly run through that as well. Also, John Moxley claps back at CM Punk after that Instagram story caused a ruckus in the IWC. I'm going to dissect his response word for word. In the later portion of this episode. I'm also going to resurrect Talking Boxing yet again. Because I got to review the David Benavides, Caleb Plant fight that went down. Man, uh, David Benavides. I already said it. You already know it. He's a monster. He's ferocious. You know what I mean? Um, this kid is... He's, he's a beast. If I was a boxer and they told me I'm going to fight David Benavidez next, I'm going to say, I need a stimulus check, bro. I need a stimulus check. I, my health comes first. <laughs> CM Punk, my health comes first. <laughs> oh, man. Let's get into... Uh, man, I got, I got so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. I really don't. We've got a smorgasbord of things to talk about. Um, let's go ahead and get into WrestleMania night one, guys. I'm going to briefly go through all of this. I'm also going to give you my predictions for WrestleMania night two going down today in just a couple hours. In fact, um, as of this recording is two 30 in the afternoon here in sunny SoCal. And I am definitely saddened that I could not be uh, attending WrestleMania live, that would have been dope. I, I, you know what? <clears throat> I actually almost bought tickets to WrestleMania. I almost did. Um, the only reason I didn't is because I didn't want to go by myself. Because <laughs> I don't have any friends that like wrestling, and my old lady, she's in. Uh, she took a trip to Washington D.C. Um, so that's the only reason I didn't buy tickets. I almost did. Like I had my finger on the checkout button. It was only uh, like $690 for the seats that I wanted. They were good seats too. I was on SeatGeek. Um, and I almost bought the tickets. But like I said, I I didn't want to go alone, man. That's, that's something you want to share, you know, into the experience with. You know, it's so much funner when you go with somebody. And, um, you know, I just couldn't, you know... I don't know, man. It'd just be awkward as hell, you know, trying to talk to the people next to me. I don't know <laughs> how that would have played out. Um, but having said that, having watched night one, I I really wish I would have pulled the trigger and went, man. Um, it was a spectacular night. And let's go ahead and get into it. The show opened with Austin Theory defeating John Cena 
And I was very surprised to see this as the opening bout. Um, this was a, a highly anticipated bout. Obviously, John Cena, a legend in the game. Some call him the greatest of all time, Michael Cole. Um, and um, I got to say, John Cena's entrance in this match, man, bringing up the Make-A-Wish kids, this was touching. Um, I, and I did not think that WrestleMania would have me tearing up, not once, but twice during Rey Mysterio's entrance, which we'll get to later on. But this was another entrance that had me kind of tearing up a little bit. Um, very stand-up dude is John Cena. And, it, and it, it, you know, speaking of tearing up, it was also, quite frankly, kind of sad for me to see John Cena looking the way he looks now. Like, his, his age is really beginning to show. Um, I didn't notice it before, but this match was real evident that John Cena is, he's, he's getting old, man. He's, he's not a spring chicken no more. Um, and it's just crazy because, you know, I watched this dude all the way back in 2002. I mean, I seen him before he was John Cena when he was called the prototype in OVW. Um, and then I seen him debut in 2002, you know, slapping Kurt Angle, the slap heard around the world. Ruthless aggression. You know what I'm saying? And now fast forward, you know, all the way to now. And John Cena, he, he's balding. He's got a bald spot in his head, you know. Um, his his skin super pale. He didn't even have a tan or nothing. Um, he, he, you know, he's he still moves good though. He still looks good in in as far as the performance of of his movement and his in ring performance. It's still good. It's still smooth. But just aesthetically, seeing John Cena like that is a trip, man. It makes me feel like I'm. Like, I'm, I'm ready to retire, bro. <laughs> but big, big ups to Austin Theory, but it is a questionable victory. He did not win clean. He won via shenanigans with the referee bump, the old proverbial referee bump trope as the ref was knocked out. And John Cena would make Theory tap out to the STF, formerly known as the STFU. <laughs> uh... And of course, John Cena, you know, gets up, he's, he looks at the referee like, hey, what's up, man? I just made this guy tap out. And Theory would capitalize by hitting the, whatever the hell his move is called, A down, A downtown, <laughs> A town down, whatever. But uh, uh, Theory is, um, you know, he's the next box office attraction that they're trying to build and He's a good-looking kid, and he's a, a very good athlete as well. But do I see Theory as to being the successor to a John Cena, to a Roman Reigns? I don't, to be quite honest. I really don't. I, and I don't know. Uh, maybe this kid just has to grow on me. But when I seen John Cena and Roman Reigns for the first time, I knew right away that those guys were, you know, going to be the big box office attractions for years to come and hold the company, be the face of the company. But I don't necessarily see that in Austin Theory as of right now. Again, maybe he needs to grow on me. Maybe he needs, you know, I think a manager would be good for Austin Theory. I mean, not, 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 not that he needs a mouthpiece. But, like, if a hot chick 
could come out with him to the ring. I think that would add to his presentation. Like if a real hot chick could come out with him, you know what I mean? And like, uh, I don't know, touch his body and, and, you know, really try to put him over the top, you know, kind of like a, I want to say kind of like a Sammy Guevara, Ty Mello type of situation, you know? Where, I mean, I don't know if this kid, Austin Theory, is dating anybody. I mean, I'm sure he is, but I would bring a woman out with him, a valet, like old school style. You know what I'm saying? That could be a good heater for him and also, you know, just make you dislike him more uh, because, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's got the hot chick with him. I think that would add to his presentation. I'm probably not articulating this well at all, (laughs) but that's my opinion. Um, something's missing with this kid is all I'm saying. And, and I don't know what that is. I'm just making the suggestion that maybe a, a chick, a valet could come out with him to get him some more heat. I don't know. But something is just missing with Austin Theory um, at the moment. But he did defeat John Cena with shenanigans. Let's move on. The Street Profits, they have a coming out party. Going over the Alpha Academy, Braun Strowman, Ricochet, and the Viking Raiders. And, um, you know, guys, I feel like Montez Ford, he's ready. Montez Ford is ready. This guy should not be tagging um, with Angelo Dawkins anymore. He needs to kick that dude to the side. I'm sorry. I got love for Angelo Dawkins. But Montez Ford, you know, they're trying to put over (coughs) Austin Theory. As the next potential big face of the company type, you know, big box office attraction type. But I think that's what they should be doing with Montez Ford right now. They got it mixed up. They got the wrong guy in that position. I feel like Montez Ford should be the guy that they're trying to elevate into becoming the next, you know, John Cena, Roman Reigns type. And I mean, not that I necessarily see Montez Ford on Cena or Roman Reigns level, but I can definitely buy into it for him a lot more so than I can for Theory. That's the best way I can put it. And I think this match demonstrated um, that Angelo Dawkins is a fantastic worker, uh, but Montez Ford is better and, and they need he needs to go solo dolo. Um, But you want to talk about, I mean, this whole match, these guys, uh, they tried to steal the show, man. They were incredible. Chad Gable, Shorty G. (laughs) I mean, doing a German suplex on Braun Strowman. One of those those strong style suplexes, too. Um, Just incredible, incredible strength from the little guy. Um, (laughs) Chad Gable, bro. He's a... you know, he's often been compared to a modern-day Kurt Angle, and um, I could see it. I could see it. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous athlete. You know, whether they want to package him with goofy gimmicks like Shorty G or the shoosh stuff, whatever they want to do. <clears throat> but he is showing that he's an athlete to be reckoned with, and I'm proud of his performance, man. Um, he was really good. The Viking Raiders, man, man, they were there. But um, like I said, really, the, the, the story of this match was uh was Montez Ford man Montez Ford he's 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 a star he's a star that they really should be um you know putting the pedal to the metal to right right now no they shouldn't wait anymore like the the street profits should break up and Montez Ford should get the spot 
that Austin Theory has right now. Uh, that's that's my opinion. Um, Ricochet as well, actually. Before I move on, I also want to mention Ricochet. Incredible athlete as well. And I thought he would be in something a little more substantial after that tremendous spot he did with Logan Paul at the Rumble. Um, but yeah, all of these cats, mainly Montez Ford, Chad Gable, and Ricochet. This was their spotlight, man. This was a good, good coming out party for all of those cats. The Street Profits go over in that one. Seth Rollins, Logan Paul. This is a match that you knew was going to be a banger after Logan Paul's incredible spot that I just mentioned uh, with Ricochet at the Rumble. That, that flapjack they did, you know, that, that uh, body collision, body-to-body -body collision at the Rumble, jumping off the ropes on each side of the ring. And you knew Logan Paul was going to do some crazy stuff with Seth Rollins. Probably the craziest thing, though, that Logan Paul would end up doing was his entrance. He did a Shawn Michaels-style entrance coming down with a from a zip line, it would appear. Some kind of harness, you know, bringing him down. And, and that was crazy to me because, <clears throat> you know, after Owen Hart, I never thought WWE would strap somebody into a harness like that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and do an entrance like that. That's why I was kind of like, eh, I was kind of cringing, you know, like, come on, man. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want nobody in WWE to have entrances like that. But he did it. And, and Logan Paul, he had like a microphone headset. He was talking shit to the crowd. Just great, great, great stuff, man. Logan Paul is, is really, this is the kind of guy that comes once a generation where kind of like a Kurt Angle. Kind of like a Lesnar, um, where he is just a natural at this business, even though he wasn't... Like, this is a guy who didn't go to school. He didn't go to wrestling school to become a pro wrestler. You know, I mean, I don't know if he was a fan or not as a kid watching wrestling. But, you know, he didn't train for this. He didn't aspire to be a wrestler. And he's already one of the best performers on the whole roster. Logan Paul made his entrance and he had a, a prime energy mascot, which is one of his outside endeavors, a business startup of an energy drink, prime energy. I might have seen that in, in some stores, too. I might have actually seen it, but I never I never tried it because I'm, I'm you know, I usually just get Red Bull or a monster or something like that. But um, I, I trip out on those energy drinks, um, those bang energy drinks and others like it where they say that it don't have no sugar but they're like the sweetest energy like they're more sweeter than monster and red bull <laughs> and it says no sugar on it um but anyway anyway i digress uh logan paul seth rollins they tore it up man what do you want me to say everybody knew this match was gonna be tremendous um seth rollins would be victorious in this match um there was a big spot that led to the finish where Seth Rollins was prone onto an announce table. And KSI, who revealed himself to be inside of that drink mascot. Um, KF KSI, obviously a big influencer, another popular YouTuber. I believe he fought with Logan Paul in the ring, in the boxing ring. Or, or either Logan or Jake, his brother. But KSI was feuding with the Paul brothers in the boxing ring. 
uh, in the boxing ring for a little bit, you know. But they were they were just trying to chase that bread, you know what I'm saying? They were trying to make that money. But um, KSI, you know, um, it remains to be seen what kind of role he has uh, in the careers of the Paul brothers and in, perhaps in the wrestling ring if he, you know, decides to make something happen. But in this match here, he was, yeah, he was just... In that mascot costume, trying to cause shenanigans. And then Seth Rollins would pull him onto the table right before Logan Paul jumps for that big body splash. And of course, Logan Paul smashes onto KSI on the table. Picture perfect, beautiful spot. And um, you love to see it. That's a highlight right there for the highlight reel um, that they can run back for <laughs> other WrestleManias. I could see that already being part of the video packages. Just a beautiful body splash onto uh, the Prime Energy Drink mascot, KSI. Seth Rollins goes over. Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus go over the damage control. Guys, this was my bathroom break match. I gotta be honest. Um, you know, I, I didn't literally go to the bathroom, but I did other things <laughs> during this match. Um, this was just... Uh, it had no heat. It had no build. And this match didn't interest me. I really wanted to like the damage control faction. Um... You know, but it, it just, it, it's been a dud. It really has. And Bailey and their, you know, Dakota Kai, EO Sky, they're great talents. But this damage control thing just hasn't worked out. Trish Stratus and Lita had no business coming back to WWE. Um, and I never been a fan of Becky Lynch. Never, ever, ever. Whether as a babyface, whether as a heel. Little Red Riding Hood just doesn't appeal to me. So this was a skipped match. But you want to talk about matches that do appeal to me. Rey Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio. Father versus son on the grandest stage. This is already history. No matter who won, no matter what transpired, this is already history right here. You know what I mean? They could have closed the show with this match because this is already history. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, anybody in the comment section, feel free to correct me. If there's ever been a father versus son match at WrestleMania <clears throat> or, or, or even on Raw or SmackDown for that matter, on any, any kind of wrestling show, I've never seen this before. This is tremendous, man. And before I even get into the match, which I'm only going to run down briefly. I'm trying to get through this real quick, guys. want to make this a shorter episode. Conan's induction uh, of Rey Mysterio. His speech when inducting Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Fame, bro. Chills, bro. Chills. You know, Conan is... Uh, such an underrated mind for this business. That's why I was hyping it up. You know, in previous episodes, I have a clip on YouTube of me just talking about Rey Mysterio's induction. It's a short clip, like two, three minutes long. But, you know, I put over Conan heavy in that episode, I, in that clip. Um, I even said it, like, I'm more excited to see Conan <laughs> induct Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Fame than I am for the actual show. And the reason I said that 
is because I was trying to emphasize to you guys how special Conan is. A lot of people don't realize it. A lot of people, because nobody has ever given Conan his just dues. This dude's a freaking legend in the business, a, a booker, a promoter, a wrestler. Um, and he don't get no credit because the, the, the majority of his of his notoriety, of his respect comes from Mexico and the Lucha Libre promotions, uh, AAA, The Crash, etc. Um, and, you know, he's such an underrated mind. Like, he's just such an intelligent guy. If you listen to his podcast, the ideas he comes up with, his, his booking of things, um, his booking philosophy, everything. This dude is just... Such an underrated mind. And the fact that WWE never bothered to sign him, it's a huge loss for them because he really could have developed. Um, you know, for the longest time, WWE has been searching for the next Eddie Guerrero, right? The next big Hispanic star that's going to carry them, you know, like Eddie did and like Rey Mysterio did. And they have yet to find that person. They tried with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they tried with Sincara, that failed. Then they they gave Sincara's gimmick to Hunico, um, and that didn't work. They tried something with um, well, Le Legado del Fantasma. He's still like a new booty in the game in WWE. Anyway, this dude has a plethora of experience, but they've tried a lot of different things, man, and um. I guarantee you, if Conan was a part of WWE creative, he would have been honing the next era of Latino wrestling excellence, Mexican excellence in professional wrestling in WWE. He would have been honing it, dog. There'd be like three different big Latino superstars that are drawing right now in WWE. If, if WWE had signed Conan back in 2001, you know, after WCW folded. Um, I don't know what the story is of why they never brought Conan in or if they signed him and quickly let him go. I don't know. But the bottom line is that Conan is an underrated mind for the business. Extremely intelligent dude. And you got a taste of that with his speech inducting Rey Mysterio into the hall. And uh, I just got the chills, man, because I remember them, the Filthy Animals, the LWO, you know, K-Dog. WCW, you know, and Rey Mysterio being unmasked, you know, there's a, there's a lot of kids today who are like, oh, I wonder what Rey Mysterio looks like without the mask on, like, bro, he, he went maskless in WCW for a little while, and uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, story with K-Dog, with Conan, and Ray Ray coming full circle, and it was nice to, of course... See Rey Mysterio get the respect that he rightfully deserves, but it was also dope to see Conan get acknowledged on a big stage like that. Something I thought I would never see. So big ups and um, Dominic Mysterio, guys. This kid is um, he's coming into his own. He's he's generating heat like nobody else right now. Sans Roman Reigns. I mean, you know, him throwing water into his, you know, doing some MJF shit. You know what I'm saying? When MJF threw water into that kid's face. <laughs> or tequila, apparently. Vodka, something like that. Or whatever that lady had in her cup. 
But, you know, Dominic recreating that, throwing that cup of water into Aaliyah's face and his mom smacking them around. That should have been a DQ, incidentally. <laughs> I'm just saying, technically, you know, that should have been a, a victory for Dominic because that should have been a, de- a disqualification. But nonetheless, um, it was a good story, man. Plot holes or not, if you want to consider that a plot hole, it was a good story. Um, obviously, Ray Ray came out on top. You know, Dominic tried more shenanigans, getting a chain out of a, a out of a little uh, satchel or whatever that Damian Priest left ringside, and Bad Bunny, who was sitting in the Spanish commentary table, would be the guy to foil the shenanigans as he ran up and grabbed the chain and said, "Nah, uh, 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 you're not gonna do this tonight." Ray Mysterio would. Get Dominic down to that second rope and hit the 619 and the Eddie Guerrero style frog splash for the pinfall victory. Ray Ray defeats his son at the grandest stage of them all. You love to see it. And this story clearly is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of over now, but there's going to be an epilogue, let's just say, as, uh, you know, uh, Backlash is going to be in Puerto Rico, which is exciting. I can't believe it. You know, that's a, that's a different venue. That's a different, you know, um, atmosphere. It's going to be interesting to see with Bad Bunny hosting. But yeah, in Puerto Rico, I'm pretty sure they're going to have Ray Ray team with, <laughs> with the LWO and maybe uh, make Bad Bunny an honorary member of the LWO. Incidentally, Becky G... Uh, Becky G, Latina uh, singer, she performed America the Beautiful ahead of WrestleMania Night 1. And I gotta say, she did one of the best performances of America the Beautiful that I've ever heard. And they, you know, they sing that song every year. I think the only one that might be better than hers is John Legend. When John Legend did it at that one WrestleMania. (laughs) I don't remember what WrestleMania that was. But besides John Legend, I have to say Becky G did probably the second best rendition of America the Beautiful that I've ever heard. Um, And before that, uh, Zelina Vega gave Becky G the LWO t-shirt and made her an honorary member of the group. So that was cool. Just throwing that out there. I actually don't remember if Becky G was wearing... (laughs) The LWO shirt while performing the song. I have to go back and see that. I don't remember if she was wearing it or not. So, nonetheless, um, beautiful storytelling, guys. That's what this whole WrestleMania was about storytelling and all of these matches. Rey Mysterio beating his son with the belt, whipping him with the belt in the ring. That was spectacular. And he gets the W. And his family couldn't be any more proud, including Dominic. You know, he's proud as hell, man. And speaking of proud as hell, guys, we have a new SmackDown Women's Champion, Rio Ripley, defeating Charlotte Flair in what was one of the best women's matches of all time. And I'm going to tell you right now, I never, ever want to hear anybody say that Charlotte Flair can't work, that she's boring, that she sucks, this and that. Bro, Charlotte Flair, 
Y'all need to put some respect on her name. She is quite possibly the best women's wrestler of all time, man. Of all time. I'm telling you right now. If you can name me a better women's wrestling match than Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, please, please let me know in the comment section down below for the listeners that are listening on YouTube. If you're listening via Spotify, go to my YouTube channel and tell me any women's match that's better than what Charlotte and Rhea Ripley did last night. I, I challenge you. I challenge you to tell me, link me to a better women's match than Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. That was tremendous. No, 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 no. Tremendous ain't even the word. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal. And well-deserved. You know, Rhea Ripley, I believe she uh, <clears throat> she has a distinction now for being like an ultimate Grand Slam champion uh, for women's wrestling um, in WWE. She was, uh, I think, NXT UK women's champ, NXT women's champ, Raw women's champ, and now the SmackDown women's champ. Uh, something like that. Um, her accolades speak for themselves. And this victory was well-deserved. And this was only the co-main event. So you know that <laughs> everybody was anticipating the main event, the tag titles. Um, but um, those, those tag titles, um, that match got me kind of teared up. With the whole Sami Zayn thing. And speaking of teared up. I just remembered right now. I forgot to mention this. In the Rey Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio match. I completely forgot. Uh, Rey Mysterio's entrance dog. With the dog. <laughs> with the dog father. Snoop Dogg. Um, coming out to ain't nothing but a G thing. And then transitioning into Eddie Guerrero's Viva La Raza. Classic theme song. Um, and then transitioning into Ray Ray's Buyaka 619 theme song. Oh my God. I, I couldn't believe how many times this WrestleMania had me like tearing up a little bit. It was, it was too much, man. I couldn't believe it. The last time WrestleMania had me tearing up was probably Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. You know, when they main evented that night one of WrestleMania... I want to say 30, 37 or 38. It couldn't have been. Was it last year where they did that? I don't know. But that one WrestleMania where Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair were main events. And Bianca was just crying, bro. Because uh, they knew they were making history. They knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? That was a historic moment. You know, two black women main eventing the grandest stage of all. I mean, it, it don't get no bigger than that. And that, <clears throat> that had me choked. I'm getting choked up right now. <laughs> Just thinking about that moment. But then this WrestleMania with John Cena bringing the Make-A-Wish kids in his entrance. And then Rey Mysterio paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. You even seen him in the Titantron, bro. Eddie Guerrero's theme song hit. And then you saw Eddie in the Titantron, his old school video package man I, I wish i was there bro i should have just bought the ticket and when i should I, <laughs> I shouldn't have been a pussy man i should have just bought the ticket 
and went to see WrestleMania live by myself. Who cares, man? I should have went. I really should have. Because I'm never going to get to see Eddie Guerrero live. And that would have been the closest thing where I could have at least heard his theme song and seen the low rider and seen the video package in the Titan Tron. Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat. God, man, what a missed opportunity. Um, yet again, it happened yet again. I could have went all those years ago at the Staples Center in 2005. I didn't go. They come back fucking 20-something years later or whatever, or almost 20 years later, and I, I still don't go. <laughs> it is what it is, man. But um, before we got to the main event of night one, guys, Pat McAfee, would make a little return, a shocking return, kind of, not really, because he came back at the Rumble to do commentary. Um, but he made a little return for WrestleMania Night 1 to actually have an impromptu match with The Miz, who, you know, would kind of, uh, you know, reject it and say, hey, this match isn't official, I can't make matches, I'm the host, but I can't make matches. Snoop Dogg, the Godfather made it official and of course pat mcafee goes over um whooping putting the whooping to the miz in a in a like an intermission type of match you know what i mean this was like an intermission so people could go to concessions go to the bathroom before the main event at least that's how i would have treated this match i mean i love pat mcafee he's a breath of fresh air in as far as commentary goes but <laughs> this is not a match that i would have held held in my piss or <laughs> or not went to get concessions, you know what I mean? Get me a another hot dog and a beer or something if I was there live. I wish I would have been there, man. I could have. That's what kills me. But nonetheless, the main event, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, they are now the brand new undisputed tag Team champs defeating the Usos, who will undoubtedly go down as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. The Usos will. Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, you know, there's there's some noobs, you know, on, on on social media saying, oh, these guys are just a thrown together team. They don't deserve this. Like, bro, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been grinding on the indies together for decades, long before this mania, before they even made it to WWE. So this was a very special night for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And you've seen their fan bams ringside crying, man. And um, they were crying. The look of emotion on Kevin Owens' face when Sami Zayn got that pin over Jey Uso, bro. Chill. That is cinema, dog. That is cinema. Oh, man. <clears throat> this is a WrestleMania that we will not be forgetting for quite some time. That night one, you know, night two is going to go down in like two hours from now, an hour and a half. You know what I mean? It's already 3 p.m. as I'm recording this. I, I got to hurry this shit up. But yeah, night two, will it live up to night one? I don't know. Uh, let's get to the predictions, guys. Night two's card is going to look like this. We got the women's tag team fatal four-way showcase bout featuring Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez taking on Natalia and Shotzi, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Blazer. <laughs> Blazer. 
Shayna Blazer. Nah, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And as well as Chelsea Green, who I'm very high on. I, I really think Chelsea Green is a phenomenal talent. I don't know about this this gimmick they're trying to give her, though. This, like, Karen type of gimmick. But she's a very good talent. And Chelsea Green will be teaming up with Sonya Deville. Predictions for this bout. I'm going to try to run through this quickly, guys. My prediction is that Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are going to take it. It's going to be between them and Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. But um, if I had a pick, it's going to be Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Um, just because I think that Ra Raquel in particular, I, I feel like WWE has a lot of hope for her. They've invested a lot of time and money into her as it is. And they have a hope for her to become like a big Latina women's wrestler. Kind of book her like a Wonder Woman type of deal. And um, so I think she's going to get the rub. She's she's probably going to get the pin in this match as well. Probably pinning Shayna Baszler or something like that. Or, or maybe pinning Chelsea Green, actually. Because Chelsea Green is green. Brock Lesnar versus Omas. Um... I wanted to pick Omas just because I feel like there's going to be some shenanigans with the Hurt Business. Um, I feel like the Hurt Business is going to realign. And perhaps it'll be like a new version of the Hurt Business with Omas in it, which is fucking lame. But whatever. As long as they get back together and we see Bobby Lashley and, you know, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric doing some big things again, I, I, I could dig it. With Omos or not. But with that said, I just can't see Brock Lesnar losing on, on the grand stage of WrestleMania. You know, and, and I don't think Brock Lesnar himself, if, if, if Triple H told him, yeah, you're going <laughs> to you're going to do the job, bro, for Omos. Brock Lesnar will be like, fuck you. I ain't laying down for Omos, bro. This this fucking guy. I don't care how big he is. Y'all, they all want to see me F5 this guy. That's all they want to see. That's all Vince McMahon wants to see when he booked this match. <laughs> so, I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar. And it, and it will be spectacular to see Lesnar F5 Omas. You want to talk about spectacular. The triple threat for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. It has never felt this important, guys, um, in a long time. Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and the champ, Gunther. Uh, it's, it's hard to predict this match, guys, because Gunther has been in absolute rare form right now. Um, he is just killing it right now. But... I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre is due for a big WrestleMania moment, man. Because the poor guy, when he won the WWE Championship, that's when the whole world closed down, man. And he never got the big stadium pop. You know, they, they sent his ass to Wales, his home country, and lost to Roman Reigns. Where in the post-match, he broke out into a karaoke <laughs> with Tyson Fury, which was weird and random. <clears throat> I think I think Drew McIntyre is long overdue for a big stadium pop and a moment in the sun in front of a capacity crowd of that magnitude. I'm rolling with Drew McIntyre, the real man, no Becky Lynch. 
And let's move on to Hell in a Cell. The demon Finn Balor takes on WWE Hall of Famer Edge. And he's rumored to be Brood Edge, according to WrestlingHeadlines.com. You know, guys, there's been a lot of talks that Edge is actually looking to make his exit permanently this year. That he wants to retire this year. And, you know, I think leading up to his retirement... um, Not to say that this will be his retirement match, per se... Because I think the tradition is that anybody who's on their way out, they got to put the next guy over before they leave. But I don't think this is his retirement match. This won't be his final match, I don't think. But either way, I think Edge could be an exception to that rule where he can go out on top, man. Because of, he, you know, everything he's contributed to WWE. They still, they show that highlight. At every single WrestleMania in the pre-package, right? Where they talk about, oh, WrestleMania, the grandest stage. And they always show that clip of Edge doing the spear off the ladder to Jeff Hardy, who's hanging on to the titles and, and hitting a perfect spear, nailing Edge to the bottom. I mean, that's one of the timeless clips that they always play in every single WrestleMania pre-package. That shit's like almost 20 years old now. That happened in like 2002, right? So yeah, it's, it, essentially that's that's 21 years old now. That clip, and it's still played. Um, so you know what, man? I think Edge could have some victories on his way out. I'm going to roll with Edge to defeat the demon Finn Balor at Hell in a Cell. And hopefully, he finally moves on from the Judgment Day. Hopefully. This feud has been booked like a Tony Khan, AEW-style feud, where that shit just never ends. It starts off as a singles feud, then turns into a feud between multiple guys, but it's like the same two guys that it spawned from, and just ridiculous, man. I I hope he moves on to, to bigger and better things after this. The Raw Women's Championship match between Asuka and Bianca Belair... How long has Bianca Belair held the women's title now? It's got to be a year, over a year at least, right? When she won the title from Sasha Banks at that one WrestleMania. (laughs) I can't seem to remember which one. Uh, It could have been the last year's Mania, actually. But last year... Last year was when Cody came back and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it could have been last year, huh? I don't know. I have a... Ever since the pandemic, guys, I have a terrible sense of time and timelines and everything. And I've become also an extremely forgetful person, too. And as I'm getting older, that's that's actually getting worse. So that's that's not good. But but nonetheless, with Asuka and Bianca Belair, guys... I feel like Triple H is really high on Asuka. I really do. I feel like Triple H is more high on Asuka than Vince McMahon ever was. Um, And therefore, I think he's going to pull the trigger and give Asuka her WrestleMania moment, dog. This is going to be where Asuka creates history, becoming the first Japanese woman 
to win the title on the grandest stage of them all in the United States. You know what I mean? Um, I think uh, I think that's best for business. Bianca Belair could always regain it, or she can um, do some business with Rhea Ripley. Um, you know, I've been hearing rumors, by the way. Um, I've been hearing rumors that they're gonna do a a draft, like after WrestleMania in the coming weeks. They're actually gonna do a draft between Raw and SmackDown, and I would imagine perhaps NXT could be figured into this as well. I, I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I, I, you know what? I actually liked the draft back when that used to be a thing, but back when it was less corny, um, like like not the most recent one they did, where like the networks would celebrate, like they had these jabronis and suits and ties acting like they were network network executives getting all excited because you know they drafted Jinder Mahal or something like fucking stupid shit you know but back when the they took the draft real seriously and um they would announce like some draft picks and then you would hear the rest like on the website and I don't know the, the draft used to be a cool thing it's like another thing that kind of felt kind of like a legitimate you know draft like an NFL draft or something it felt cool to see that in pro wrestling and I hope they do bring that back and I hope that that they either uh separate the 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 titles you know the the world champion the universal championship or they they unify them permanently and we only get one championship per division and I think that could still work because champions have to be traveling champions. Go to Raw, go to SmackDown, etc. And contenders have to work their way to getting a shot. Um, I think it could work. But either way, Asuka. I'm rolling with Asuka. Now, as far as Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal title match. Guys, this is very difficult. And this is difficult for me because um, as much as I like Cody, and I do, I'm one of the few people that still supported him in AEW when he was coming out and getting booed and stuff. I really thought he was being a heel the whole time. And, and that was a heel tactic. The fact that he the people wanted to see him turn heel, but he was still coming out acting like a babyface. I felt like that was like him being a heel, you know, um, that's what I thought, but I, I loved Cody in, the, in AEW and, and I always, I've always supported him, but when I look at Roman Reigns and this historic run that he's had thus far, it's very difficult for me to see hardly anybody take those titles off of him. That would be believable. And Cody Rhodes is included in that. I just don't believe it. If Cody Rhodes beats Roman Reigns for the titles. Cody doesn't look the part to me. And I hate to say that, but that's how I feel. He doesn't look the part to me. As the killer, <clears throat> the stone cold killer who could take the straps off of Roman Reigns and, and, and give him a run for his money. I, I can't see Cody in that position. I just can't. 
You know, Cody, he's a classy dude rolling around in them tuxedos and he's got the the crazy timepiece on his wrist. Probably cost the same amount as my rent per month. I mean, you know, he's looking fly, but he don't look like a killer, bro. He don't look like a killer. The guy that takes the titles off of Roman Reigns needs to have that killer instinct look about him like a Brock Lesnar. Now, I'm not suggesting that Brock Lesnar should take the titles off Roman because we've seen that movie already. You know, the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns saga. That shit is like the Star Wars saga, bro. That shit, we've seen so many. (laughs) Episode 1, 4, 5, The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) We've already seen that film. I don't want to see that. But Cody Rhodes... Just doesn't fit that mold, guys. I don't see it. And therefore, I'm going to have to pick Roman Reigns to retain the titles over Cody Rhodes. You know, guys, at this point, in order for Roman Reigns to drop the titles, I think it would have to be in a multi-man match situation at this point. Let's say Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes versus so-and-so. You know what I mean? I don't know. Someone else in a triple threat or in a fatal four-way of some sort. Because Roman Reigns getting beat one-on-one by somebody who's smaller than him like Cody. And somebody who's... I mean, Cody, he's a pretty boy, bro. He's like a pretty boy and he's, he's a classy dude. He's fly. Don't get me wrong. But he just doesn't look like I don't believe in that story of this, this, you know, classy, preppy, pretty boy style dude coming around, um, winning the rumble by coming in at number 30 (laughs) and then going on to take the straps off a Roman who's a stone cold killer from Samoa. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't see it. And it doesn't work for me, brother. (laughs) It just doesn't work for me. Like I said, the the only way Cody takes the titles off of Roman is if it's a multi-man match. That's how I book it. If you give me the pen, that's how I book it. Because nobody at this point is believable to take the straps off of Roman in a one-on-one contest unless it's The Rock. And that's about it. So that's my pick, guys, for WrestleMania Night 2. Roman Reigns, in my opinion, will and should retain the undisputed Universal Championship. Heavyweight WWE Champion of the Galaxy, of the Allied, of the Space Alliance, whatever the hell. Roman Reigns, in my opinion... Is the right call to retain the titles. Now let's get into some AEW news real quick, guys. I'm going to try to get to this stuff real, real quickly. Um, AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday, guys. Let's run through this card briefly. Kenny Omega defeated Jeff Cobb for the IWGP US Heavyweight title, guys. Jeff Cobb. His finisher, 
the tour of the islands. It's essentially a, a power slam, a pinning, a, a spinning power slam, but in reverse. And nobody does it better. That move is spectacular looking, even though it's so simple. But it's like a move that I can't see nobody else but Jeff Cobb do. It's kind of like the F5, actually. Like Brock Lesnar's F5, you know. There have been other wrestlers who have done it. Obviously, Wardlow in AEW, he does it. I think they call it the F20 or some shit, or the F10. Um, I think Matt Morgan, the blueprint. Back in the day, an OG TNA Impact, he used to do it. But the F5 only ever fit Brock Lesnar, in my opinion. And that tour of the island's finishing maneuver that Jeff Cobb does, that's his version of the F5. I cannot see any other performer do it like him. This was a solid match, but can Kenny Omega have a bad match? Let's be real. Kenny Omega... Hey, this dude could have a match with a nine-year-old girl and it'll be a classic. <laughs> and I think he actually has. The AEW International Championship between Orange Cassidy and The Butcher. This was a stay-busy bout for Orange Cassidy. Nothing more, nothing less. Orange Cassidy retains. And I want to correct myself because in previous episodes, I called the International Championship the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> It's the same damn concept. Come on, man. But yeah, Orange Cassidy retains the international championship. Dalton Castle and the boys get smashed. They get squashed by the Blackpool Combat Club. This was nothing more than to continue the story of the Blackpool Combat Club's, you know, rise to the top, man. These guys are killers. And, you know, I do want to say this. I was kind of confused at how abruptly... The Blackpool Combat Club turned heel. I even compared them to the Outcast, But that was a terrible comparison now that I think about it. Because you know what? The Blackpool Combat Club are doing the same shit that they were doing when they were babyfaces. That they're just doing it now in uh, against babyfaces <laughs> and not against heels. Which is why they pretty much turn heel by proxy, you know, by default. But this is actually a good play. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that, I'm going to give Tony Khan a, a, a break here. I think this is a good play for the Blackpool Combat Club to be, to be bad guys, you know, and try to destroy all the jabronis that they can because that, that seemed to be their mission statement to begin with anyway, right? To bring wrestling back, violence back. And to destroy jabronis like Luchasaurus and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and dumb, goofy gimmicks like that. So, I can, I can dig it. And it'll be interesting to see how far this goes with the Adam Page stuff. Um, obviously, uh, there's some stories brewing, guys. You know what I mean? And that's what we've been wanting in AEW. So, they're trying. Adam Cole... In his return bout, after being shelved for quite a while, defeats Daniel Garcia in a very, very solid matchup. Daniel Garcia was the perfect opponent for Adam Cole's return bout. A safe opponent, a responsible opponent. And um, this, was the, this was a very good play from TK. Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeats Matt Hardy. Um... <laughs> Matt Hardy, I think his services would be best suited as a manager or and or as a backstage personnel, like a, 
a producer, a booker, an agent, a writer. I think Matt Hardy, his time as a performer is past him. And I think that's how it should be. I, I don't think he should be performing anymore in the ring. Um, but this was a, eh, it was a passable match, uh, a serviceable match, let's say. And this is to continue to put over Jack Perry as he goes uh, up against MJF along with the other pillars, you know, in, in the build to double or nothing. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy. MJF, the four pillars of all elite wrestling. And um, it's exciting to see how this plays out because I, I don't see MJF dropping that title anytime soon. He's going to have a Roman Reigns level title reign. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. And finally, Ruby Soho defeated Willow Nightingale. And um, this is a, another match that's supposed to serve as a story. That AEW is developing. That's been a big talking point, right? AEW doesn't have stories, blah, blah, blah. Well, this match is another storyline build between the Outcasts and AEW Originals. And um, this was a decent show, guys. I'm not going to say this was a bad show, but I'm not going to say this show was great either. This was a very decent, solid show. I'd give it an Orange Cassidy-style thumb-up. Decent show. Not great, but not bad. And let's go ahead and preview the AEW Dynamite going down this Wednesday, the first Dynamite of April. We got a pretty stacked show set for Long Island, New York, the home turf of one Maxwell Jacob Friedman. This is the updated card per WrestlingHeadlines.com. We got the AEW Women's World Champion Jamie Hayter as she defends against... Riho, Jamie Hayter's gonna take that. Uh, <laughs> careers versus titles. AEW World Tag Champs. The Guns defend against FTR, who must leave AEW if they fail to win the titles. Oh man, I'm about to run out of time in my recording. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go with FTR. Um, I, I feel like. Even if FTR were going to leave AEW, like they did not come to an agreement, I don't think AEW would would do them like that. You know what I mean? To be like, all right, well, if you're not going to resign, well, we're going to have your careers get ended on live TV by, by the guns, if that's what y'all want. You know what I'm saying? So I think they reconciled, and I think FTR signed a new deal with AEW, and they're going to win the titles to the guns. Commander versus Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is going to take that. It's going to be a high spot city type of matchup. The Acclaimed will decide if they want to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, AEW World Champ MJF will celebrate MJF Day in his home turf. We will hear from the Blackpool Combat Club. Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Absolute. Tony Khan will make an important announcement. <laughs> I now own WWE. Now, April Fool's, guys. April Fool's. I just wanted to deliver a sweet April Fool's joke. Y'all, enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> nah, man. There's been speculation that his important announcement could be the return of the, the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. It could be... 
the signing of uh, uh, Kota Ibushi or something. It could be it could be anything. It could be the video game. Maybe we finally get a release date on Fight Forever. Um, who knows? The AEW World Trios Champions House of Black defend against the best friends. Uh, House of Black. They will retain for sure. W champion Hook defends against Ethan Page, and this should be a victory for Hook. Although I will say, you know, the firm faction with Ethan Page, Stokely Hathaway leading the fray, um, Big Bill. <laughs> no, ain't nobody gonna take Big Bill seriously. But um, but yeah, all those cats, man. Um, they've been overlooked. And I myself have not cared for them. But I got to tell you guys, on AEW Dark, that I know nobody really watches, including myself. But I've seen clips um, posted of, of them doing some work on Dark with Ethan Page. He's developing this kind of depressed, <clears throat> kind of uh, awkward, depressed demeanor. And the rest of the firm like try to hype him up in his matches. And it's getting over, guys. At least with the dark crowd, it was getting over. Um, so I'm wondering if that's why they're bringing this match to, to TBS, you know, live on Dynamite. Because they might actually start to push Ethan Page um, for what it's worth. Um, I always thought that he should have been pushed instead of Scorpio Sky. When Scorpio Sky had his little TNT title run push. Um, but nonetheless, um, I'm predicting Hook will retain the FTW title, which is not even an official title. But it would not surprise me if Ethan Page ended up taking it by hook or crook because I could see them trying to capitalize on the little bit of uh, of heat they've been generating on AEW Dark. Um, you know, but we'll see. We'll see if Tony Khan, you know, <laughs> does what's right. Um but before I get out of here, guys, you know what? I was going to talk about John Moxley clapping back at CM Punk for his AEW tirade story. But I'm actually going to address that in the next video upload, which will be WrestleMania Night 2 review. I'll address that in that episode. For this one, the last thing I want to talk to you guys before I dip, because the show's going to start in an hour and a half as of this recording. Talking boxing. <clears throat> Horse, uh, <laughs> I was about to call him Jose again. What the hell, bro? David Benavides. Caleb Plant. <clears throat> My first takeaway from this fight. I never, ever want to see Kenny Bayless officiate a boxing match again. I never want to see it again. He's on Joe Cortez level of notorious, you know, infamous. Just terrible referee, man. He ruined this fight 110%. Now, the right man won. You know, David Benavides, he couldn't get the knockout because he was essentially fighting two guys in that ring. You know, Caleb Plant was just grabbing and holding him all night. And the referee never once threatened to take a point away for the excessive clinching. You know, clinching is in fact illegal in boxing. You know, grabbing on and holding if it's intentional. 
There's incidental clinching and intentional clinching. And Caleb Plant was blatantly hugging this man. I thought I was watching a wrestling match at one point in the fight. I'm like, this looks more like a wrestling match than a boxing match. You know, this dude is just grabbing on, trying to grapple. Like, bro, you should go do a tryout for AEW, bro. (laughs) Or WWE. The referee never once threatened to take a point away for the consistent clinching and grabbing on the part of Caleb Plant. And I respect Caleb Plant. And listen, I get it, man. He's in there with somebody who... He's a dangerous man, this David Benavidez kid. He is a dangerous man. That man bad. That man is bad. He is dangerous. So I can't really fault Plant. But me as a viewer, though, it, it made the fight terrible, man. I, 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 it was insufferable. And, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that if it wasn't for Kenny Bayless, David Benavides would have knocked out Caleb Plant. And he almost did in, in one part of the fight. I don't remember what round it is. When David Benavides was coming on strong, Caleb Plant was beginning to fold. And then Kenny Bayless inexplicably stopped the action so that he can have the doctors take a look at Caleb Platt. You don't... Oh, man. There might have been a head. There might have been a clash of heads or something along those lines. But you don't ever stop the action like that. This man was about to be out. He was about to be out. And Kenny Bayless stopped the action, put, put a timeout to have the doctors take a look at Caleb Plant. Absolutely disgusting. I've never seen something like that before. I've never seen something like that before. In all the years that I've been watching fights, I've been a boxing fan since I was a little kid when my parents uh, ordered that De La Hoya Julio Cesar Chavez pay-per-view. That was the biggest pay-per-view of all time for us and our community. <laughs> you feel me? That, that was our rumble in the jungle. That was our thriller in Manila. When we saw De La Hoya Chavez, those fights, I've been a boxing fan ever since. So that's like 1999, dog. Like That's like the late 90s. I've been watching boxing. And I have never seen a referee stop the action when a guy looks like he's about to get knocked out. Like, stop it. Like, hey, wait, wait, time out, time out. And have the doctor look at Caleb Plant. That was despicable. I couldn't believe that. And there, there is no doubt in my mind that David Benavides would have knocked his ass out if it wasn't for Kenny Bayless. And, not just, and I'm not just talking about that moment either, but I'm talking about if there was actually a competent, just referee who was saying, hey, if you keep holding, I'm going to take a point away. If you hold one more time, I'm going to take a point away. That would have propelled the fight to be a fight and not a grappling contest. Because if a referee is threatening you to take some points off and you're relying on the point system because you know you can't knock this man out, there would have been a fight and David would have knocked his ass out. But that didn't happen. So my prediction didn't come to fruition. <laughs> but with that said, uh, I mean, you all you got to do is look at Caleb Plant's face at the end of the night. And you know what? I'm happy that they squashed the beef. I'm happy 
they were able to squash the beef and bury the hatchet. You've seen them hug at the end of the fight, even though Benavides had like some unnecessary hostility towards Plant, you know, him and his pops in particular, but they were able to bury the hatchet at the end of the fight. So I'm I'm happy to see that. That's what you want to see in boxing. You know what I mean? You don't want to see people have low class, man. That's what you want to see. So you love to see it. And it remains to be seen what happens in the future for Benavides and Plan. Obviously, David's been calling out Canelo. <laughs> and he's been calling out Canelo for ages now. And Canelo's excuse for not fighting David Benavides was always, Oh, well, you need to prove to me that you deserve a fight. I'm not going to just give him a fight just because he's asking for it. He's got to beat somebody. Well, here we are. David whooped on Plant. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, opinions running rampant that, hey, you know, Canelo knocked out Caleb Plant and David Benavides got a unanimous decision over Caleb Plant. But I'm going to tell you something right now. And I'm not even going to mention the stupid ass referee again. I'm done with him. Kenny Bayless is irrelevant. Fuck that guy. I'm not even going to mention him again. I'm going to tell you this. Go back and watch Caleb Plant versus Canelo. And I want you to see Caleb Plant's face after the Canelo fight. And compare that picture to Caleb Plant's face after the Benavides fight. And what you're going to see. <clears throat> you're going to see somebody who got busted the fuck up. After the David Benavides fight, you know, Canelo, you know, he he broke Caleb Plant down and yeah, he knocked him out, hit him in the body. But Caleb Plant's face wasn't marked up nowhere near the way it was for for David Benavides. So the point that I'm making, what I'm getting at is that, yes, Canelo knocked out Caleb Plant and David Benavides did not. He got a decision win. But I promise you. I would be willing to bet you my entire bank balance right now that Caleb Plant, he got worse hurt. He got hurt worse from the David fight than he did from the Canelo fight. I promise you. Because he looked more fucked up. <laughs> he was all busted up. His eye was closed. Um, I mean, he just looked all jacked up. In the Canelo fight, he was relatively unscathed, bro. I mean, yeah, he was marked up, but not like the way he was after the Benavides bout. I don't know. I would have to see a side-by-side -side comparison on, on, his, on his corpse after the Benavides fight versus after the Canelo fight. Um, now, it, does that mean that I'm trying to say that David Benavides would beat Canelo? That's something that I've been thinking about, and I can't make up my mind, honestly, on who would win a potential showdown between Benavides and Canelo. I cannot make up my mind. <clears throat> I really can't. Because I could see a bunch of different scenarios playing out. You know, it's like how Caleb Plant was uh, unboxing, unboxing, outboxing Canelo, uh, Canelo and David Benavides. In the early portion of the fight. And Benavides would get ever so closer after each round progressed. The question is, 
Will Benavides get ever so closer to Canelo as the rounds progress? It's, it's pertinent to note that Canelo has always struggled with stamina. That's been a hindrance to Canelo. And he's gotten better with that. He's gotten a lot better in that department. But a fighter like David Benavides, it, he's exhausting. He's exhausting, man. Um, and over the course of a 12-round fight, do I think Canelo could fend off a David Benavides? I think only if he makes a concerted effort to assault that body. But giving a man of, of Benavides' stature and ferociousness body shots is a threat. It's a, it's a risk. It's a big risk because you leave yourself open to those tremendous uppercuts that that man throws better than anybody else in the game right now. So I'm not even going to give my opinion <laughs> on who would win a Canelo versus Benavides fight. Until that fight is actually made official, you're not going to hear an opinion from me because I got to go to work. I got to study um, these guys' styles and really to pick a winner, man. Because, you know, that, that Benavides plant fight, it kind of left more questions than answers, you know, because he didn't get the knockout. Now, granted, Kenny Bayless, bitch ass, he, he really, uh, fuck, man. He was insufferable, man. He really fucked up the fight. He really did. But with that said, it is what it is. Benavides, in spite of Kenny Bayless, still couldn't knock out Plant. And it, it leaves a lot more questions than answers as far as a potential Benavides-Canelo showdown. Now, Canelo has a fight going down in May in Mexico, in Guadalajara, his home, his home turf, his neck of the woods against uh, John Ryder. And it's a fight that does not interest me at all. This is merely a stay busy bout for Canelo. It's a tune-up. And perhaps this is Canelo's tune-up before David Benavides. That fight would go down in September. Now, Canelo personally wants that rematch against Bivol. Dimitri Bivol. Bro, sit down, bro. You cannot beat Bivol. You cannot win. The guy is bigger than you, faster than you, stronger than you, and he's a better boxer than you, bro. He's out, he outclasses you in every department, including skill level. You can't win. <laughs> it's not like a Rocky movie right now. <laughs> you can't win, dog. Canelo wants to fight Bivol, but... I have a hunch that Bivol is going to turn it down because he already has. He's been saying, hey, hey, I already beat Canelo. If he, if he wants to fight me, he has to prove to me now. Now he's saying what Canelo's been saying about David Benavides. Hey, I think Bivol just wants to see Benavides wreck Canelo, bro. <laughs> That's what I think. He wants to see them dudes go to war like the rest of us. So definitely, guys, whenever, if ever, that fight goes down between Canelo and Benavides, I will be here in full effect to talk about it. You already know. But 
WrestleMania Night 2 is about to pop off. The pre-show at least coming at 4 p.m. here in uh, SoCal Pacific. And um, I'm definitely going to tune in and I'll give you guys the subsequent review of that and talk about John Moxley clapping back at CM Punk, something I didn't get to talk about. So stay tuned for that. Um, and that's going to do it for this portion of the highlight reel, guys. Wash your hands, tip your waitresses, please tip your Lyft drivers, and of course, you got to wash your ass. <laughs> And as I always say, live life on cruise control. Because sometimes you get a little bit farther when you take it slow. I'm out.